How many of you are familiar with The Secret? You may remember this book and this movie that was produced and written by Rhonda Byrne many years ago. It perpetuated the ideology of the law of attraction. But what if I were to tell you the law of attraction is simply a gateway drug to spiritual heroin? And that's coming up next right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. Hi, and welcome to The Parker J. Cole Show. I'm your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. As you may have guessed, we're going to be talking about the law of attraction. And I know some of you who are the same age as me remember the fervor of this book and this movie when it came out. Everybody was talking about the secret. Everywhere you turned, it was on TV, it was on billboards, magazines, radio spots. Everyone was talking about how you can change your life. All you had to do was know the secret. And not only did you have to know the secret, you had to constantly put yourself in a state of positivity because at the end of the day, the secret is that you can control what happens to you. All you have to do is manifest certain things, hit certain frequencies, and produce certain energies. And guess what? You can have the life you want. But is that true? We'll be going into that today with my guest co-host and contributor, John Clash. He is the author of the book, Law of Attraction, A Gateway Drug to Spiritual Heroin. And we'll be talking to him in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we cover your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel and click the notification bell to get uploads, exclusive content, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest co-host today. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad you took time out of your schedule to be here with me today. I'm really excited, dear listener, with John, because I met John when this book was simply just a series of thoughts on paper. (laughs) So he went from having a series of thoughts to actually publishing his book. And it's such an encouragement to my listeners out there who are looking to publish your book. You can get it done. You got to do more to think about it, but you can get it done. So, John, thank you for being with me today. I'm happy to be here. And I just want to let you and the listeners know that I actually did no work for this book. I just manifested it and it just, it just appeared. So we just, we thought about it a lot and just got on this, on the right frequency and boom, book showed up. It was crazy. We're laughing about that, but there are many people who believe that all you have to do is think about a thing. Don't do any kind of physical work or any type of goal setting, any type of training or anything. You just have what you want. All you have to do is think about it, hit the right frequency, and boom, there you go. We know that to write a book takes a lot of work, even if you use AI. It still takes a lot of work because AI ain't perfect. (laughs) You know what I mean? So right now, we're talking and making a slight humor about it, but this thinking is spiritual heroin. Why would you compare it to a drug like that? 
So the reason that I call it a gateway drug to spiritual heroin is because it's like an introduction to this worldview, right? And it, it comes in, at least in, in my experience, it came in the form of science, right? They painted the law of attraction as scientifically proven. So when it's painted in that way, you, you don't really see that there's a spirituality lying underneath it. And it wasn't until much later that I discovered the spirituality. But so when it opens the door, right, under this disguise of science, but it's really a spirituality, you, after your your initial, I don't know, it can be different for, our, for other people, but the in, initial high of the law of attraction wears off, right? And it's mostly when you're doing it for a long time, and then it's not yielding the results that were promised to you in uh, in the secret or by whatever book or audio or, or movie or however you came across this information, it, they, they tell you that it works as fast as, as, as you believe it'll work, right? So when it's not working as fast as you think that it should be working, you now start searching for something else, all right? And you, cause you'll reach out to somebody who's higher up in the law of attraction chain than you are. And you'll ask them, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm practicing the law of attraction. I'm doing everything that it's saying, uh, but, but it's not working. Something's not working. And what they do is they tell you to, to do something else, right? And this something else is going to be a spiritual practice. Now, it could, be, it could be disguised as scientific, right? So many people don't believe that Reiki healing is uh, spiritual. They think that it's, you know, just energy. It's just energy. It's scientific. These crystals have certain frequencies. And when you place them in a row, and it, so it just opens the door to different forms of occult practices, you know, it, it'll usually start with a, hey, listen to this guided meditation. Are you meditating? Oh, maybe that's why you're, you're not meditating. So maybe that's why the, the law of attraction is not working for you. So start meditating. Then you start meditating. And you're like, all right, man, I've been doing this for a couple months. Why have I not attracted all the abundance of the universe? And then you ask and they say, oh, you know what? You might have a, a spiritual blockage. Uh, and then you end up at a Reiki session, or you know what, you need to try some yoga, some Kundalini yoga. And it's just one thing after another, after another, because here's the truth. The law of attraction only works for the people who are selling it. Simple as that. It works for the people who are selling it because it's not the law of attraction working. They're selling you all of the things that they're telling you that you need to make the law of attraction work so you can get the lifestyle that they have. But the only reason they have it is because they're selling you how to get it and you're buying it. So they're essentially attracting money from your wallet, not from the universe, right? So it just sends you down this rabbit hole of chasing spiritual highs because when you first start the law of attraction, it feels like you're on a high, especially if you were somebody like me, right? When I learned about the law of attraction, I was a very negative person super negative. So when I flipped from being negative to being positive, uh, for many other reasons besides just the law of attraction, the law of attraction was just the icing on the cake, I guess you could say, I changed and I was now more positive and I'm on a high. When you start looking at life through the lens of let me not be negative and let me be positive, that brings you to a high. You, you start feeling it in your emotions. Your uh, dopamine and serotonin is being released and you're focusing on the positive. You have this newfound belief that you're in control of everything. So it brings you on a high, but that high wears off. And then you go seeking for a way to fix it because they tell you that you have to be on that high. You have to be on that quote unquote 
the highest vibration, the highest frequency. So you have to stay there in order to attract from the universe. So you internally, when you know that you're not on that high anymore and you're like, man, I got to get back to that frequency so I can start attracting what it is that I want, you start looking for spiritual hacks. And, you know, you could go buy crystals, they'll tell you to do. Go take this course, this e-course. Hey, check out this book right here from Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's all of these, uh, here's the next thing, here's the next thing. And then you end up so far down the rabbit hole that you're paying $10,000 to go to a spiritual warrior retreat because you're just constantly seeking the ever-elusive enlightenment that they're saying that you have to attain in order to crack open the code of the universe and grab all of its abundance. That's why I call it a spiritual heroin because you, you become addicted to that feeling. And how heroin works is uh, most people who use heroin, they are always chasing the first high that they got, right? Because it's never as good as the first time. I've never done heroin. This is just from uh, statistics and from people that I know. Who have, uh, who have struggled with that. So you're always chasing that first high, but then you go from chasing the high to now you just have to be high so you don't feel the negative side effects, right? And that's why I call it spiritual heroin because now you are chasing these highs so you don't feel the negative side effects that come with you not attaining your goals, you not attracting the abundance as quickly as you thought, you not attracting the spouse of your dreams, the dream home, all of these things that they uh, wrap in a pretty devilish bow and sell to you, you start looking for a hack. And then, and I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but in the book, I discussed how people paid $10,000 to go to this spiritual warrior retreat for who it was being run by one of the guys who's in the secret. And three people died in one of the sweat lodge ceremonies that they had going on. Like this chasing enlightenment brought them to their death. And it's all because these spiritual gurus are selling you spiritual heroin and dangling a guru carrot at the end of the, I call it a carrot at the end of the guru stick, just saying, hey, you know, I promise this enlightenment is right around the corner. You're almost at the, you ever saw that, that commercial it was for car insurance and the, the guy's got like a dollar on the end of a fishing rod. And yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I'll be faster than that, you know? So this is what you go through in life and this can be years and years and years. And then you have to enter into the realm of cognitive dissonance. And now they train you. This is why I think it's cultish too, because they train you not to think anything negative. So if you start thinking negatively about the law of attraction, you, since you've been brainwashed by the law of attraction, start thinking, I can't think like that because it's going to take me off the frequency. So that's why I call it a gateway drug to spiritual heroin, because it's essentially the first bite from the forbidden fruit that completely destroys the universe, you know, and that universe being your life as you go chasing spiritual high after spiritual high. And you're never going to fill that hole that you have in your heart with anything but Jesus. And we'll talk about him later, I believe. But yeah, that's why I call it that, because it's just chasing a feeling, chasing experiences, chasing uh, dopamine. One thing I noticed as you were talking is that you use scientific words, you use things like frequency, energies. And these are words that when people hear them in a certain context, they think of the physical realm. But when they hear it in the context of the law of attraction, they have completely different meanings. Can you go ahead and expand on that for me? Yes. So this is where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they'll use these scientific words because they say that the law of attraction is science. 
and they, they are forced to use these words, but it's a misrepresentation of what actual physicists use these words for, right? So prime example is the word energy. Energy, as far as physics goes, is just the capacity for doing work. That's what energy is translated to. That's the actual meaning of it, the capacity for doing work. It, with New Agers and New Thought and, and just in general spiritist language, energy now means a spiritual force that can be manipulated with your thoughts. So they look at how scientists are using a word and then they say, hey, see, scientists are using this word. So are we, right? Same thing with frequency. So frequency is just um, how many times something happens during a specific amount of time right? So uh, when it comes to radio waves, it's ha how many times a wave go, I'm trying to explain this as seventh grade reading level as I can, but how many times the wave goes up and down within a certain amount of time that generates what's called a frequency. So the frequency, the word frequency isn't an actual thing. It's a calculation of something. Same thing with energy. It's not an actual thing. It is some things potential to do something, right? So they use these scientific words and then and use them in a spiritual way. And since scientists are using these words and now they're using this, these words, they're claiming it's the same thing. The only issue is that spiritual, the supernatural is beyond what is natural, right? So by you claiming that science is proving your worldview, but you're claiming a metaphysical worldview, a supernatural worldview while using the tools of science. It's like looking for wood with a metal detector. It's just, we're saying the same words, but we mean two different things. And you cannot hijack the physics words. You cannot hijack these, these words that they use in science and then use them for spirituality. And another thing too, when it comes to how scientists describe something, so there's things in quantum physics where um, they'll say that a, a particle has, has spin, right? And a new ager will take that as an actual spin, but that's not what the quantum physicist is saying. They're, they're trying to describe something that is like a mathematical equation that it's not really a spin. It's just we don't have a word to define what that is. So the closest thing to it is the word spin. And, and that's, that's kind of what these new agers do under the spirituality that they practice, they'll say, you know how you hear positive vibes, negative vibes. So when we hear that in a spiritual sense, we're saying it as, oh yeah, th these positive vibes mean good feelings, right? And then they, they equate that positive vibes for when positive vibrations, right? Or a positive frequency. They'll take that and say, see, scientists are using this the same way we are, but they're not, right? A positive or negative isn't a feeling when it comes to science, it's above zero or below zero, right? That, that's, they're using measurements, but they're using words that they have to use to describe these complex measurements. And then those words are not as simple as they sound, but since these new agers and people who practice new thought, they are trying to claim that science proves their worldview, so then they are forced to use scientific terms. But Again, science actually disproves their worldview. And especially with uh, quantum physics, there's like over a dozen different quantum theories, right? And then there's even more theories branching out from those dozen theories. And 
you have somebody like uh, Rhonda Byrne in The Secret talking about how she never, never was good at science in school. I'm paraphrasing. Never was good at science in school, never paid attention. But when she reads complex books on quantum physics, she understands them perfectly. Yet we have people who are actual quantum physicists telling you that we don't understand quantum physics perfectly. We can see what happens, but we don't know why this is happening. And the, the law of attraction takes a very minority view when it comes to quantum physics, physics that the majority of quantum physicists actually disagree with. So uh, I know I'm maybe going down a rabbit hole, but that's what I, I hope I answered the question of, of how they try to use science, but it's not science. And then you go even further to just their underlying worldview, right? They're, they believe in pantheism, all is one, or panentheism, that we're an extension of, that the universe is an extension of God or the universal mind, as they call it. And the issue is that uh, science disproves that because we have this abundance of evidence for the beginning of the universe. So if we're going to equate the universe with God, but yet we all the scientific evidence points to a beginning, you know, you have the second law of thermodynamics, you have the fact that the universe is expanding from a single point in the past, you have the radiation found from the Big Bang, you have Einstein's theory of general relativity, which uh, shows that time, space, and matter come into existence at the same time. You, you can't have one without uh, the other two, right? So all of this disproves their worldview, but they are forced to say that science proves their worldview because now they're using scientific terms. I mean, they're forced to use scientific terms because they're claiming that science proves their worldview when in fact, that's where they shoot themselves in the foot because science actually disproves their worldview they are just twisting the science in the same way that false preachers twist scripture. One thing I want to talk about is positivity, because on the surface, it doesn't seem a bad idea to think positively about the things you want. And I'm going to go to scripture for one moment, and I want you to speak about this. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So it seems, just looking at that verse, that thinking positively isn't a bad thing. But what would you say to that argument? I wouldn't say that that's an argument. I would agree that thinking positively is a good thing. Uh, it's uh, so when I discuss the law of attraction and I talk about why I don't agree with it and I don't think people should practice it, they some people kind of take that as what you mean we shouldn't think positively? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that believing the false claims of the law of attraction is something that we shouldn't be doing. Adhering to the spirituality underlying the law of attraction is something that we shouldn't be doing. I'm not saying you shouldn't think positively. I'm, I'm a big advocate for positive thinking over negative thinking. But I also think that people need to do some critical thinking, right? And there's not only is there biblical foundation for thinking positively, but there's also scientific and psychological foundation. And I'm using the wrong word, foundation. There's reason why you should be doing that. Uh, that can be proven by science and by psychologists, right? Where you mess up is where you stop, is, is where you're thinking positively because you believe that the universe is bending to your will somehow. 
it, there's a big difference than practical positive thinking and and having that make a good effect, having that have a good effect on your life by being easier to be around, right? Prime example, when I started in business, I was a very negative person. When I started being more positive, more people wanted to, to work with me. Was that because I was attracting them from the universe? No, it was because I was easier to work with, right? So the scientific reason being that you stop being a jerk. <laughs> Basically, there's peer-reviewed scientific studies done over hundreds of years that if you just stop being a jerk, people will work with you, right? But uh, so when you cross the line from practical thinking, right, from practically using positive thinking, so you cross the line over to thinking that the universe is bending to your will, you now cross over from being uh, just doing something for practical reasons, doing something because the Bible says that you should think positively to now crossing the line into sorcery, into thinking that you can somehow manipulate the universe, right? And sorcery is condemned over and over and over in the Bible. It's just, this isn't painted as sorcery. It's painted as science. But underneath the smoke bombs that they throw at you, these scientific quantum woo smoke bombs that they throw at you when the dust and the smoke clears underneath all of that is spirituality is luciferian philosophies and spirituality tracing all the way back to the garden of eden you know you can be like god so yeah i would say that's the difference you should think positively and i i also mentioned it in the book how i'm a big advocate for positive thinking I'm just warning people that if you're thinking positively because you think you're manipulating the universe, you are a sorcerer without even realizing it. I love the way you brought that together because I can just envision some of our listeners saying, well, there's nothing wrong with thinking positively. Go to Philippians 4.8, which is why I wanted you to respond to it. And dear listener, when you pick up your copy of Law of Attraction, a gateway drug to spiritual heroin, you're going to be pleasantly amused while being educated as you read this book. There's a lot of humor in this story because John is just telling the story like it is without having this huge tome of knowledge. Everything is well researched and sourced. So you can always go and at the end of each chapter, you can look at the footnotes and see where he got his sources from so you can do your own research. It goes back to something that John said earlier when he said they don't want you to think critically. All you have to do is keep thinking positively. And once you keep thinking positively, you're not thinking critically. And so I believe you added that so people can say, hey, do I believe what John is saying or is he just making all this up? And you give your sources so people can look at them. Another thing you do in here is that you interweave your journey about law of attraction with the understanding and the dismantling of the ideology. Why do you think it was important to include your story and not just make this an observational book? So one thing that I've noticed just in life period, if you've never been where somebody's at, it's difficult for them to hear what you're saying. So if I just came out the gate swinging and you didn't know that I used to participate in this, I used to be a big advocate for it. I've recruited so many people to the law of attraction. This was, I was about it for years. For years, I was into this stuff. So I just want people to know that I don't think that you're stupid for believing this. I don't think that just because you believe this, that you're somehow consciously worshiping the devil and practicing Luciferian spirituality. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. And I, I do my best to get that across in the book, you know, but um, I just want people to know that 
I'm coming from a place of, hey, I used to be there. I used to do the things that you do. I used to have the same pushback uh, that you may have with me when it comes to the law of attraction. But I would say more importantly, we have to look at what's true. I would much rather somebody tell me, hey, you're wrong and this is why, than, hey, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to let that person believe whatever they want to believe, especially now knowing the information that, you know, people have died from this form of thinking. Uh, Kathy Goodman, who's in the, the movie The Secret, she's the woman who claimed that she beat breast cancer. Right? And this was initially one of the things that got me thinking I could heal my stomach issues with my thoughts. So I was super sold on it. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I, I, can, I can heal myself. And this woman who's in the secret is still in it today. And the secret is still in the top 1,000 of all of best-selling books on Amazon today. So today, it's still in the top 1,000, 20-something years later. right? And this woman is still in the book talking about how she healed herself of breast cancer. And come to find out, three years after the book came out, she died of breast cancer. You know, could I just let people believe what they want to believe? Yeah, I could, but I can't do that on good conscience anymore. I can't do that uh, knowing that this is the pathway to hell for a lot of people. This is a pathway for them to deny Jesus as Lord and Savior because they don't look at Jesus in that way. They have this false Christ that they preach to you that they say that Christ came to teach us all Christ consciousness and that we are all the Christ and that um, all you have to do is realize that you are one with the universe and there is no heaven. There is no hell. There's a, you know, all of this thinking can lead you away from the most important thing, which is a saving grace in, in Jesus Christ. So to answer your question, why I told people my story is just to be relatable. So you can see that I'm not coming from a place of judging you. I'm judging the philosophy. I'm judging the worldview, not you for believing it. It comes down, I believe, to a matter of does truth matter? And you go into some detail in your book about truth and objective truth. Right now, even in certain areas of life, people are not concerned about objective truth. They don't want you to step on their truth. So it becomes a point of contention when you hear someone say, well, why just can't, why can't you just let people believe what they want to believe? And then you have to say, but does the truth matter? And I think that's the fundamental question behind one of the reasons why you wrote this book, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say the, the more important question is, is, does truth exist? Does objective truth exist? And yes, the answer is yes. So if truth exists, right, then don't you want to know what that truth is? If the answer is no, I don't want to know what that truth is, then there's nothing that there's no amount of reasoning I can do. There's no amount of truth that I can point to that's that's going to change your mind. There's a difference between wanting to know the truth and wanting to, to believe that you have the truth. Right. And we all want to believe that we have the truth. This is something that most people believe is that they have the truth. And that's why you have an opinion on things, because you believe that your opinion is true about whatever it is you're talking about. But for me, when I used to believe that truth was relative, you could have your truth, I could have my truth, it could all be true, blah, blah, blah. It's just a logical fallacy. It's a self-defeating statement if you say something like there is no truth, because the only way for that statement to be true would be if truth actually existed, and then that would make that statement false, right? So truth exists. And I believe that not only us as individuals, but us as a society need to realize that truth exists 
look at that truth and ask ourselves, are we going to believe what's true or are we going to just believe whatever we want to believe because it feels good to believe it? I would rather be punched in the face by the truth than caressed by a lie. The lie doesn't help you at all. Mm -hmm. We would want to throw someone under the jail if we found out that a doctor hid from us the fact that we had some incurable disease. We would say that's wrong, and it wouldn't matter if he said, well, that's your truth, not my truth. And you would automatically come back with, that's just the truth, and you lied to me. And that's why I think it's important that you wrote this book, because if truth exists, don't you want to be on the side of truth? And if you don't, you have to discover why not. So this book really helps you to dig deep into really deep philosophical things about truth, about reality, about your own purpose in life, but it does so in a very conversational, humorous way while educating you at the same time. Before I let you go, I know I want to talk about something else regarding this book, Law of Attraction, Gateway Drug to Spiritual Heroin, available wherever books are sold. We were talking about how the Law of Attraction like the young lady you said who said that she was cured of cancer because she manifested her thoughts about not having cancer. One of the dark sides of the law of attraction is that not only is the person responsible for the quote-unquote good that happens to them, they're also responsible for the bad that happens to them. What is the inherent fallacy of this thinking? Yeah, so I would say that it's just not – when you follow something to its logical conclusion, right, you have to – if you're going to follow the law of attraction to its logical conclusion, that means that you are attracting every single thing in your life. So that means that if a close family member dies, it's your fault. If somebody that you know gets in a car accident, that's your fault. If you lose your house, that's your fault. If you get sick, that's your fault. Everything is your fault, your fault, your fault. Even the things that are happening to other people because those people are in your life and just by your thoughts, you're affecting their life. So prime example is if a mother is worried that um, her, her kid is going to get kidnapped if they're not home before the sun goes down, right? If this is a person who believes in law of attraction, doing that would make their child get uh, one day get abducted because of the frequency that they're on with their thoughts. So following it to its logical conclusion means that everything bad that happens to you is your fault and everything bad that happens to anybody that you're close to is your fault as well, right? Then you have the whole, it's just logically impossible for this thing to work 100% of the time, right? So I have this chapter called, does this make any actual sense? Right? And that's just looking at it philosophically. Does this pass the laws of logic? And it just doesn't because there's another place that they shoot themselves in the foot. In The Secret, you have Rhonda Burns saying that the law of attraction is a law of nature in the same way that gravity is a law of nature. So one, they shoot themselves in the foot because general physics, like uh, at the macro level where we're at, traditional physics um, is way different than quantum physics. And that's, they say, oh yeah, well, the reason that 
the law of attraction is real. Look at quantum physics. It's so spooky and it must be spiritual, right? And then in the same breath, you say, oh, well, you know, the law of attraction is a law in the same way that gravity is a law. It's a nature. It's a law of nature, right? So that means that the reason we call things a law of nature is because they've been studied over and over and over again. And when a certain set of circumstances are in place, this other thing, whatever law it would be, is guaranteed to happen 100% of the time. This is why we call the law of gravity, because we know if an apple falls from a tree, it's going to fall straight to the ground every single time, unless it's in a tornado or something like that. But it doesn't float to the ground sometimes. It doesn't, when it falls from a tree, it doesn't shoot up into outer space. It doesn't fly sideways and hit somebody in the face. No, it falls 100% of the time. And that's why we call it a law. So if the law of attraction is a law in the same way that gravity is a law of nature, then it should work 100% of the time if the circumstances for it to come to fruition are set up, right? So it should work 100% of the time. This is logically impossible because I use this example in my book as well. Let's say both of us, right, me and you, Parker, we have this dream home that we want. It's the same exact dream home. Both of us see this dream home the same day. We put it on our vision board. We start getting on the frequency of that dream home. We start working with the same real estate agent to get that home. We have the same credit score. We have the same down payment we're going to put on it. We have the same amount of income coming in. We have the same everything. And we are practicing the law of attraction to a T, exactly how it's supposed to be practiced. Me and you are both on that same frequency of that specific dream home. The reality is only one of us is going to live in that house. Which would be me. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened to the other person in that situation? If all of the things that they're doing are exactly the same, the law of attraction didn't work for them. Why not? Because it's not a law. It's it's not guaranteed to happen 100% of the time. It's logically impossible, right? If there's a job position, same exact thing, me and you going for the same job position. We're both doing everything that we were doing for the home. We're doing all of it. We have the same skills, have the same resume, all of that stuff. Only one of us is getting that job position, right? It's just, it's not something that can be logically proven. And this is why when you hold up everything that they say about the law of attraction, everything they say sounds good when it's by itself. But when you put it all together, side by side, all of these truth claims that they're making, everything contradicts everything else. And so it's just, it logically falls apart. And, um, you know, to, to say, like Bob Proctor said, when he was asked, I believe it was ABC or NBC, one of the BCs, right, um, where he was asked, you know, the children in Defar are starving, do you think that they're attracting it to themselves? And then Bob Proctor's response is, I think the country has. And, you know, Parker, you said at the beginning, uh, before we started recording, like, what do you mean the country has? Is the country an actual entity now? Like the country? No, but what Bob Proctor is saying is that the people of the country have attracted starvation to them. So going back to what was originally saying is that you have full responsibility now for every random thing that happens in your life. Every random bad thing that happens in your life, it's now your fault. And I've done some research that I did not put in the book uh, just because I just wanted to try to stay on topic, that it is actually psychologically damaging to think this way, especially when you're not allowed to entertain negative thoughts. So here you are, you, you 
attracted a close family member that, that died. You've attracted that into your life. And now you can't even grieve because if you grieve, you are now in danger of attracting something else because grieving is on a different frequency than love. Grieving is on a different frequency from abundance. Grieving is on a different frequency from whatever you're trying to attract in your life. So you can't even grieve. You have to just flip the switch and go right back to positivity. And that is, that's toxic positivity and uh, psychologically damaging. I can't stand that. I, some of my friends that are in the law of attraction, I can't even talk to them about anything. I can't talk to them about what's going on in the world. I can't get their opinion on things because they're afraid to speak something negative into the universe and have it come back to them like a boomerang. When we grieve, we grieve with the understanding for those of us who are Christians that we will see our loved ones again. We just miss their presence here on earth. That is a sad thing. But those of us who don't have Christ in our life, we grieve because we know that at the end of this is separation from God eternally. Having said all that, avoiding a bad subject doesn't make it go away. And like you said, if you keep trying to avoid the bad what will happen is that it actually turns worse for you. So in a few moments we have left, where can people connect with you online? So if you just look up John Clash, J-O-N Clash, not J-O-H-N. If you put J-O-H-N, Clash of Clans pops up. But yeah, just if you search John Clash on YouTube, uh, I'm on Instagram, at J Clash, Twitter. I'm now on threads because that's a thing. I'm pretty much anywhere that's social media related. If you just search John Clash, YouTube is where you'll find most of my more in-depth content, more full length. I do interviews on there and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and then if you want to find the book, all you got to do is search John Clash on Amazon. John, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Dear listener, we barely scratched the surface of this book, but we gave you just a tidbit of what you can expect to find when you pick up your copy of Law of Attraction, a gateway drug to spiritual heroin, available wherever books are sold. So go ahead, pick up your copy today. John, thank you so much for being with me on the show. Really appreciated having you. Thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. When I first connected with John, it was through my good friend Josh Peck with Skywatch TV, and now he's doing wonderful things behind the scenes. And I just want to thank Josh for the connection. One thing I have to tell you is that when John first came to me, this book was merely a page of thought. And now he actually took that thought, put it to word and paper, and it became a book. He didn't have to use the law of attraction. He had to use the gift that God gave him, which was the ability to tell his story the best way he knew how. It was his ability to disseminate the truth and let you know what the truth is. God has given you the gift to tell the truth about the experiences in your life that have led you closer to him. Be encouraged, dear listener. You don't have to rely on the law of attraction or any other false ideology. All you have to do is rely on the sovereignty, the will, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day, and God bless. <laughs>